in your own words. Why don't you magnify him and give him praise? I worship you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, come on, it feels good in the house of the Lord. On this first Sunday of the year, let's worship him with our whole heart, with intent. God, I have intended to worship you today. I came to this house for that express purpose. God, to give you glory and honor, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's clap our hands unto the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. Jesus' name and Jesus' name. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. If you're here today, you made it through 2020 and you are here in the house of the Lord. You ought to give yourselves a hand. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. I want to say it's, it's good to have a few folks in the house of the Lord with us. It's good to have Sister Lupe and Sister Candace and the boys back feeling healthy. Amen. It's also good to have the Perez's with us back in the house of the Lord and healthy. Amen. God's good. And uh, you know what? We got another Gideon family in the house of the Lord. Now it's not these ones right here. We have some grandparent Gideons. This is the, I know you love that one right there. The grandparents of baby Dior. I got to pull that one. This is Sister Patina's parents. And uh, it's good to have them in the house of the Lord with us. Amen. Praise God. How many enjoyed that wonderful New Year's Eve service that we had? Let me just say this. If you weren't there, you missed it. Now, let me just help you. I'm going to give you some good news. You can go back online, and you can get a part of the experience. You won't get it all. You won't get it all. You'll get all the great ministry. I want to tell you, that's one of those messages uh, that I plan on listening to several, several times this year. And uh, I want to encourage you to download it, put it on your phone, go on the website, whatever you got to do. Now, the part that you're going to miss and never be able to get back until the next time we do it is Brother Diaz barbecued us up. He smoked some chicken and some ribs. Now, those that are just clapping like this, like if they're in a golf session, they don't really understand. But the rest of us, man, that was excellent. And, uh, and I'm looking forward to it. I said, man, you just, you just did something bad. We're going to have to do that again. And uh, he did such a great job that he's now signed up for that in the future, whether he likes it or not. I'm kidding. Amen. Praise God. How many is excited to be in church here today? Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be turning open to the book of Job, chapter 42. As you're turning there, I also want to say what an honor it has been to have my brother-in-law, Johnny, with us and uh, to be just spending part of the holidays with us and to ring in the new year. It's uh, always a pleasure to have him around. We have great conversations, and he shows me good music because I'm not really a musician, but uh, we are jamming out on the way to church. So it's good to have him with us here today in Jesus' name. Job chapter 42 and verse 16. I feel like God gave me a word several weeks ago for this specific service, and I want to do my best to deliver it to us. Job chapter 42 and verse 16. The Bible says it this way. After this lived Job 140 years. And he saw his sons and his sons' sons, even four generations. And after all that, Job died being old and full of days. He was old and full of days. The Bible says after this lived Job. If I could put it in my own language, after this, Job lived. 
And I want to preach to us for a few moments on the first Sunday of 2021. After this, live. After this, live. Would you set down your Bibles and lift up your hands and let's lift up our voices and our hearts to the Lord and let's pray that God would speak to us. I believe that God has a word for each and every individual in this house. Would you lift up your voice? God, we love you. We thank you today that we get to be in this house, that we are gathering here today to receive this word, God. And I'm praying that this would minister to those, amen, that, that, that really need to hear this word. I believe this has got a piece in there for every individual. In Jesus, anoint us to hear it. In your wonderful, matchless name, in the name of Jesus, everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Hallelujah. After this, live. Job was a very wealthy man living in a land called Uz with his extremely large family and his extensive flocks. The Bible declares that he was blameless. He was upright. And as the word would tell us, he was always careful to avoid doing any evil. This was a, 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 an upright individual, a moral individual. And you better mark it down that the next part of this story comes into play. One day, the adversary that we call Satan appears before God in heaven. I want you to get the story for a moment. There is an upright man that is blameless, that is doing his best, that is trying, that is always attempting, and he's very careful to avoid evil. And one day, Satan comes into the presence of God. Now, there's something beautiful that happens here because it's the only place that you ever get a glimpse into the heavenly realm and into the spiritual battle that we face. The Bible lets us know that God begins to boast to Satan about Job's goodness and Job's uprightness. Amen. This is the only place where God is openly, seemingly proud of somebody and boasting about somebody. And, and the fact that he's not doing it to the rest of the world, he's not even doing it to Job, but he is doing it to Satan. Satan literally means the accuser. He is the accuser of the brethren. He's come with one task and one task only, to come before God and to accuse the people of God in the sight of God. Amen. But even in the midst of that where Satan is coming to accuse Job and to accuse all of God's children, God catches him off guard and tells Satan before Satan even has an opportunity, have you considered my servant Job? In other words, God said before you start accusing him, I'm going to just cut you off right there and give you something to consider. There is a man by the name of Job who is perfect and upright before me. He loves me with all of his heart. He eschews evil before you accuse this good man. I want to let you know where he stands in my eyes. I want to help somebody for just a moment. The devil's going to do his best to accuse the church of the living God and the people of God. But before he even gets an opportunity, there is a God that is looking from heaven and saying, those are my kids. Don't mess with my kids. 
There's some folks worried about what the devil's been saying in your life and what hell has been screaming in your world. But none of that matters when you hear the word of God and when you hear the voice of Jesus that is speaking over your life and saying, this is a good individual right here. They're serving me with their whole heart. Oh, somebody lift up your hands and let's magnify him. Praise God. Amen. Satan is cut off by God. Before he gets the accusation, God already comes by to be Job's advocate. Satan then begins to argue with God that Job is only good because of what God has done for him. Amen. There's some people that, 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 that you may not know it, but you are on trial. You are on trial when things go wrong. Hallelujah. Amen. Do you only serve God when things are good? Because that was the accusation against the brethren that the Satan had brought. That he only serves you because of how many good things that you have blessed him with. Satan challenges God that if you are to punish the man and you were to strip away the good things, and if you were to curse Job and stop blessing him so much and take away the hedge from his life, uh, he said that you would see this good man become like everybody else. He would become a bad man. He'd become a God-hating man. Uh, and God has enough faith in Job that God says, okay, I'm going to give you permission to test Job. Uh, I'm going to give you permission, amen, to test this bold claim. Amen. The only thing you're not allowed to do is to take his life. Job's going to live through this. Can I give somebody a word? After this year, amen, as this year starts and the previous year is over, amen, God gave him a word. Job, you're going to live through this. There's going to be life after this. Amen. Satan's not allowed to touch that. He's allowed to test every other area of your life, but he can't take your life. He can, test, he can test every area, but he can't take your life. And he said, go ahead, torment him however you feel. And you better believe it, that Satan takes every bit of liberty. And in the course of one day, Job receives four messages, each bringing separate news that his livestock have all died or been stolen, that his servants have all died or been taken away into captivity. That his ten children, the pillars of the home, and all of his kids happen to be gathered together. And if you look at the scriptures, you'll find that Job uh, had got up that morning and he had prepared a sacrifice. And he said, if peradventure my kids had sinned before the Lord. This is a good man praying for his kids, and even after that, amen, the Bible says that the pillars of the home fell down after a great, amen, and mighty wind and earthquake, and, and it fell upon his children, and they all died due to marauding invaders or natural catastrophes or, or things outside of Job's control. And Satan appears again in heaven, and he comes back and says, he's going to curse you. And he says, if you would just let me test him in one more area. Let me test him by attacking him individually. Skin for skin, a man will give anything in exchange for his own soul. In other words, what he was saying is, I know humans. I know how to get to them. If I can't get to them through their friends, their family, their finances, if I can't get to them through other people, I know how to get through to them. I'll get and I'll hold on to their health. Hallelujah. Can I help somebody? 
If I can't get to them in any other way, I will get them to forsake their convictions by afflicting their health. I will get them to lose out on their prayer life because of their health. Amen. And, and I will get them to start exchanging eternal things for something that is temporary. Amen. And he said, I know mankind. I've studied them for a long time. And God says, all right, I'll grant you this as well. Just don't, amen, finish off his life. Because after you get done afflicting, afflicting his health, Job is going to live after this. Amen. And, and, and after you get done with all that you've done, Job's going to be afflicted. Job's going to have horrible, amen, skin sores. And he's going to, amen, scrape himself with a pot shard. And he's going to try his best to make it through this terrible day. But after this, Job is going to live. And, and Satan comes by and afflicts Job. And there he is scraping the boils off. Imagine how terrible this is. It's one of these most incredible stories in, in literature in general, let alone in the Bible. People I mean, aren't even in church study this, and they want to figure out I mean, all of the literary devices that are happening here. But, but Job is there, and, and after it's all said and done, Satan's got one more tr a couple more tricks up his sleeve. He sends Job's wife over, and, and fine, okay, he didn't, afflict, he, didn't get, he didn't curse God and die because of the fact that he's hurting or he's lost everything. But now what I'll do is I'll send his spouse's direction. Can I preach to somebody? You got to be careful the people that are closest in your life. Sometimes the people that are closest in your life will get you to do something and encourage you to do something that is not right. Amen. Something that would cause you to lose out and to fail the test. And she comes before Job and says, Job, after all of this is done, you might as well just curse God and die. After all of this that has happened to us, after all of this that has befallen us, you ought to curse God and give up and throw in the towel and call it a quits. In fact, while you're going out on your deathbed, you might as well just look up to heaven and shake your fist and say, how dare you, God? Amen. Because I've had one bad day after another, after another, and I lost my kids, and I lost my cattle, I lost my servants, I lost everything on one day, and the very next day I get sick, and, and the very next day everything that seemed to be together started falling apart, and now my marriage is on the rocks, and my wife's coming by and saying, curse God and die. Call it a quits. Throw in the towel. Give up. And if that wasn't enough, Job's three friends, I put that in quotes. <laughs> Anybody ever had some friends like that? After your, after your spouse just tells you to give up and quit and curse God and die and they start leading you astray, but you choose not to do that. Guess what, God? God also, God also knows there's another test that's coming, Job. You may not know, but the devil's going to do one more thing. And the Bible says that three of Job's friends show up. And they begin to sit there in solidarity with him for seven days. And Job just sit there in silence, and he's weeping under his breath. And he's, and he's crying, and he's feeling the pain of everything that happened. And he's feeling all this. And after all of this, amen, Job is, is finally understanding a lot of the pain that he's gone through. And, and the shock has worn off. And when it seems like the shock of seven days of silence has worn off, amen, all of a sudden he begins to open his mouth. And Job starts to say some things. But before Job can really get into it, the biggest bulk and the majority of the book of Job is three friends, amen, that begin to accuse Job. I'm going to help somebody. Don't be that kind of friend. When somebody's going through a hard time, don't accuse them. 
Satan is the accuser of the brethren. Amen. Let's not do the devil's job. Let's make sure that we encourage. Let's make sure we lift up. Let's make sure that we pray for them. Oh, that's good preaching right there. But Job's friend said, you know what? We know why, you're, why you fall into this. You've done something wrong. Job's already down. They said, let's kick him while he's down. He's got open wounds. They said, let's throw some salt in the wounds. Those are great friends. My Bible says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Nobody can hurt you like a friend. Uh, hallelujah. Even Jesus prophesied in the book of Zechariah, I was wounded in the house of my when he saw, amen, when he was getting betrayed and he was getting denied, he got denied by Peter, which was his friend. And when he got, amen, in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he got betrayed by Judas, he, amen, by a kiss from Judas when he kissed Jesus goodbye, amen, there was, amen, a moment there where Jesus said, do you betray me with a kiss? Friend, you got to be careful. Sometimes, amen, the people that you got closest to you that you count as friends are actually leading you away from the right path. And I know they've been friends in the past, but some people are only there, amen, to ride with you when it seems like they've got everything in agreement with you. But the moment that you're trying to serve God and they're not, amen, all of a sudden they'll bring up every accusation. Well, you're a hypocrite. Well, you just done this. Or, oh, well, you know, and you're just trying to do your best. And they will accuse you. Oh, somebody clap your hands. I, maybe I'm the only one that's ever lived through that. Amen. Where there's some people that have tried to lead me astray and help me to fail the test. We don't need to help people fail the test. We need to help people pass the test. Trouble comes to everybody. Trials come to everybody. Hard times come to everybody. Uh, don't encourage people to quit. Don't encourage people to give up or get bitter. Encourage people in the Lord. Oh, somebody clap your hands and give him praise. Come on. Let's magnify Jesus for just a moment. Let's magnify Jesus for just a moment. The rest of this book is a discourse about the righteousness of God in the midst of suffering. And they're trying to talk about can a man, can a man be more righteous than God? See, they got it messed up. The man was not trying to be more righteous than God. He was just trying to be as righteous as he could be. You're not a hypocrite if you're trying. Well, all my friends said I might as well just give up and stop going to church because, you know, I, I messed up last week or I, I, I said a word I shouldn't have said or I went somewhere I shouldn't have gone and I, I saw something I should have saw. And, 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 and they, they, they're right about that. No, let me tell you, you're not a hypocrite if you're trying. If you are picking yourself up by your bootstraps, you are coming to the altar. You are trying. Oh. Hallelujah. And, and I love how the Bible puts this. It's one of the themes of the book of Job. It continually says it this, this way. There came a day. There came a day when Satan came amongst the saints, came in the presence of God. There came a day where he made a deal and he struck a deal with God to accuse Job and to take away things from Job and to put Job into this test and this trial. There came a day where there was a servant that came and said, all your kids are dead. There came a day where the servant came and said, all the servants have been stolen away and I'm the only one left and alive that remains. And, and there came a day, and it keeps going down this list, where all your finances went down and your cattle's gone. There came a day where Job got sick. There 
came a day where his marriage was on the rocks. There came a day where his friends came to accuse him. There came a day, there came a day, there came a day. Can I preach to somebody for just a moment? There are going to be days, and there have been days where the devil comes to accuse. There have been days, there will be days, and there are days where life gets difficult, where it seems unbearable, but I want to help somebody in the midst of there being a day. We've got to remind ourselves that God is sovereign. God is above it all. God is in control. Somebody needs that word this year. Doesn't matter what happens. I want to give you a little encouragement as we kick the doors open to this year. God is in control. The government is not the one that's in control. Amen. Our society is not what's in control. The stock market is not what's in control. Family members are not in control. Friends are not in control. I've come to help you. God is in control. Oh, somebody ought to give that God great praise. Come on, can I preach how you feel is not in control. Emotions are not in control. We have a God in heaven that's got the world in the palm of his hands. Oh, somebody give him praise. Somebody give him praise. I want to help somebody to understand how in control God is. Well, the devil's in control. The Antichrist is about to show up. He's in control. He's not in control. None of that stuff's in control. Just, just serve God. Tell somebody about Jesus. Stop worrying about all that mess. The end of the world is coming, but don't get a picket sign. Go, go knock a door like Brother Bryant did today with Brother Christian. Go find somebody and tell them about Jesus. Yes, there's going to be trouble. Yes, there's going to be trials. Yes, there's going to be days that happen that we don't like. Amen. But, but, but before we ever get it twisted and start thinking that the devil is somehow in control, before the devil ever showed up, amen, to quote, unquote, be in control, he had to show up before the throne of God and get something called permission. Anybody got kids? They're not allowed to do something unless they get your permission. They can try, but all you're going to do is whoop them up because they did not get your permission. The devil's nothing more than a dog on a leash that needs God's permission. Everything that comes in your life, good or bad, it comes by the express permission of God. There's nothing that shocks God. There's nothing that surprises God. I might be shocked. I might be surprised. But I got one thing confident. It came because God gave it permission. Can I preach it from a New Testament standpoint? The Bible says that the devil is as a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may. Might, maybe. In other words, amen, it's mother may I. In other words, you're asking for permission. You gotta stop being scared of lions, honey. And you gotta understand the only way the devil's gonna devour is if he comes to God and says, May I? Could I please? But I wanna let you know about your Father in heaven that says, No, you can't devour them because after this, they gotta live. You can't devour my church because after this, my church has got to live. You can't devour my sons because after this, my sons are going to live. You can't devour my daughters because after this, my daughters have got to live. Oh, somebody clap your hands and give God a shout of praise. Come on. Let's worship him.
Come on, would you lift up your hands? Lift up your hands for just a moment. Oh, Pastor, I'm scared about the, the, the roaring lions in my life. Uh, they don't have permission. Uh, they can't do nothing. And if they got permission, God's got a plan. Oh, somebody lift up your hands. Let's pray. Oh, come on, let's pray for just a moment. I just connected with somebody right there. You are worried and you are anxious and you are stressed out about something that doesn't even necessarily have permission from God. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. The, today's got enough trouble. Man's days are a few and full of trouble. There's a lot of issues. There's a lot of trouble. There's a lot of trials. Amen. He said that tomorrow the evil is sufficient for itself. Don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will take care of itself. And, and if something does come that you don't like, just so you know, it came with God's foreknowledge. He already knew it was about to show up. And he gave you and I everything that we need. He equipped us with his spirit. He equipped us with his joy. He equipped us with his peace. He equipped us with his power. Everything that you and I have need of. He said, I supplied it all. All of your needs according to my riches in Christ Jesus. I supplied everything. Amen. According to life. Amen. And living for God. He gave us everything that we need. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't stress out about tomorrow. Amen. God is in control. But I understand Job's mentality at some of these points. Because there was a moment where Job was in such despair. That he started to curse the day he was born. There was a day where his, he lost his finances. There was a day where he lost his health. There was a day where he lost his friends. There was a day where his marriage was on the rocks. There was, a, there was some bad days. But then Job said, curse the very day I was born. This was not a good day for Job. We're going to give Job a little grace here. There are bad days that seem to multiply in life. But let me help somebody here today. Just because there's a few bad days that you might have faced recently or that might come in the future, don't curse all the days. Just because of a few bad days, just because of a few bad weeks, just because of a few bad months, maybe it's been a few bad years. Uh, don't curse every day. Don't curse every year. Don't curse every month. Don't curse every week. Uh, can I help somebody? God still has blessings ahead uh, for you and I. Come on, somebody needs to get the courage to not curse the day. Somebody needs to get the faith to not curse the day they were born. And say, God, I know that I've gone through some hard things. And can I preach to some folks that just came out of a pretty rough year. And I know there's been some difficult things that I'd never want to be insensitive to. Amen. We need to make sure, amen, that we don't curse at all and say it's all been terrible. No, amen, that was terrible. But God still got many more good days ahead. Oh, somebody lift up your hands and magnify him. I love this. Because after all of this is said and done, in the end, Job made a decision. Can I help you? Sometimes you've got to make decisions that go against your feelings. 
We said it a million times. I will say it until I, until I meet Jesus in the air. You got to stop letting your feelings run you because your feelings will run you right into hell. You need to let your facts that you know God is good and God loves me and God's got a plan for me and everything came by the permission of God. I refuse to curse God. Amen. I refuse to curse God in this. I refuse to quit in this. I refuse to throw in the towel. I refuse to die after all of this. Yes, Job had a bad day. Yes, Job wanted to curse even the very day that he was born. But Job, amen, even after he got done ripping and tearing his clothes and, and to show how in mourning he was, amen, he shaved his head. He, he was letting everybody know I was in mourning and, and I'm terrified. I'm just, I'm just so sad about everything and I'm wrecked by what's happened. Amen. At the end of it all, he made a decision. It was not a feeling. It was a decision. Amen. He, the Bible says uh, he blessed God uh, and he worshiped the Lord in his prayer. In other words, uh, he chose to bless God uh, and live. Uh, he chose to bless God and to worship God. Uh, even after it all, he chose to pray. Uh, even after it all, he chose to worship. Uh, even after it all, he chose to give God glory. Uh, amen. Can I help somebody? Uh, the Bible says that after it was all said and done, uh, Job arose. Uh, Job had shaved his head. Uh, Job had ripped his clothes. Uh, Job had cried his tears. Uh, Job had scraped his body of but when it was time, amen, to make a decision, Job got up from where he was. Can I preach to somebody? When you're a worshiper of God, it doesn't matter how bad the day is or the days are. You will rise up and you will give God praise. You will rise up and you will worship. Oh, somebody give him praise. I wish the church would do that for just a moment. Rise up and worship the Lord. I will rise up from my morning and I will give him praise. I will rise up from my bad day and give him glory. I will rise up from this mess and I will, oh, somebody, come on. Let's stand across the building and lift up our hands. Let's magnify him. Come on, somebody. Would you rise up and worship him? Would you rise up and worship him? After 2020, can you rise up and still call him blessed? Can you rise up and still magnify the name that's above every name? Can you still rise up and say, God has been good? Come on, somebody magnify him. Somebody give him praise. Oh, hallelujah. What are you doing? You had a bad day. You had a bad year. I'll tell you what I'm doing. I might have had a bad life. I might have had a bad 10 years. But I'm going to rise up. And I'm going to get up from where I've been laying down. And I'm going to say, Lord, you've been good. The Lord gives. And the Lord takes away. But bless it. I'm going to get up and give God the glory. I'm going to get up and give God the praise. I'm going to get up and bless him with the fruit of my lips. I'm going to bless him with a sacrifice of praise. I'm I will praise him on the high sounding cymbals. I will praise him on the stringed instruments. I will praise him on the organ. I will praise him with my lips. I will praise him with a hand clap.
Because when you're a worshiper, you cannot stay down for long. I've seen complainers stay down and die there. I've seen bitter people lay down and die. I saw, and that's really what his wife was trying to tell him to do. Curse God and die. It's too terrible. Give up, quit. I see, I, I heard of a tombstone one time. It said something like Bill. It said Bill died 1987, but he was buried in 2001. That's how some people are. Uh-huh. Hey. They die before they're buried. They bury before they, they, they end up just giving up, throwing in the towel, saying, All right, I'm going to curse God and die. And for the rest of their life, they just vegetate. Come to church, no joy. Oh, do I have to be there? Well, no, you don't have to be here. Could be six feet under, but you're in church today. Hallelujah. Do I have to? Well, actually, you get to. a change of mentality. See, a worshiper sees everything that we are and everything that we get to do as a privilege. I want to tell you, it's a privilege and an honor to be in church. It's a privilege to lift my hands. It's a privilege to sing. It's a privilege. Don't bury me yet. I'm not dead. Don't give up on me. I'm not dead. This is the greatest privilege ever given to a mortal. And I love the Bible because when you get done with the entire book, it sums all of the mess up with Job's life like this. After this, Brother Jonathan, how trivial does that make your trial seem like? After this. After this. Man, I could, I could have wrote another book on after this. I could have preached a few more, a few more messages on after this. That what, what happened before this, if I could put it that way. And, and, and the Bible just goes, okay, after this. After this sums up all of the horrendous tragedies that happened in Job's life. After this, after what? After the mess, after the tragedy, after the struggle, after the storm, after the spiritual attack, after the dark times, after the depression, after the divorce, after the bankruptcy, after the pandemic, after the lockdowns, after... After the quarantine, after the sickness, after, 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 after this, what defines, what defines after this, what sums up after this, what Job did after this is what defined it. After this, Job lived. I'll get somebody in a moment. You and I cannot choose to be born. Being alive is 99.9%, if I could put it that way, outside of your control. If I get 47 years like my father, great. If I get 110 years like my great-grandmother, awesome. All of that being alive is not in my control control 
Amen. But I want to help somebody choosing to live. You can't choose whether or not you're alive, but you can choose whether or not you live. Somebody's going to get it in a moment. You can't make the decision to be born or not be born, but you can make a decision. If I got 47 years, I'm going to live every moment. Can I help somebody? Not only are you going to live through things, but you're going to live after things. If you get the mindset of Job, if you get the mindset of a worshiper, it says doesn't matter what comes, good or bad, up or down, I'm going to make a decision after a year like last year. This year I'm going to live my life like I never thought it possible. I'm going to do things for God that I never thought possible. I'm going to make a decision to not just wake up at the alarm and barely get through the day, but I'm going to wake up with a smile on my face and a purpose in my heart that says after this, after all that, I choose to live. After all that, I choose to have a full life. After that, my days are going to be filled up with the goodness of the Lord. After all that, I made a decision. I'm going to fill it up with blessings. I'm going to fill it up with power. I'm going to fill it up with prayer. I'm going to fill it up with consecration after the storm is over. Oh, somebody ought to worship God. Somebody ought to worship God. Come on. Somebody ought to worship God. I choose to live. You can stay there dead in your spirit if you want and say, poor me. But I choose after this to rise up like a worshiper and to live my voice and be alive in my praise and be alive in church and be alive. Oh, come on, somebody magnify some folks there's some folks that just well I don't know about that you just don't know what before this was like don't get addicted to before this my Bible says that after this Job lived a very long life and the Bible says his days were full anybody tired of half empty days a half empty heart not fully there, kind of, you're, you're there, but you're not present. You're just kind of floating through life, floating through work, and, and, and you're, you're there, but you're not fully alive. Uh, amen. I want to help somebody. Uh, today, God has brought you a word, uh, amen, that says you don't have to, you don't have to cry about it. You don't have to pray about it. Uh, all you got to do is make a decision uh, that after this, uh, the Bible says Job uh, got double for all of his trouble. Uh, after this, Job, uh, he had daughters that were more beautiful than anybody after the daughters he lost. Uh, he grew old and full of days. He saw his sons, although he lost sons. He saw his grandsons and his great-grandsons. Can I help somebody?
somebody, the reason you got to choose to live is because there's an entire generation that is coming up after you. And they better not say, yeah, well, 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 Susie, she she was dead a long time ago. And yeah, yeah, Bill's just a fuddy-duddy. And he, he just never really cared after this one point in life. And you know, that's just how they are. No, no, you got to make the decision that says, I'm going to be alive. I'm going to live. And I'm going to see good days. And I'm going to see blessings. And I'm going to see a full life. And I'm going to be full of joy. And I'm going to be full of peace. Somebody, I'm opening up this altar. Would you come and come with your mind made up? I choose to live. After this, I live. After this, I'm going to live for God. After this, I'm going to worship God. After this, I'm going to have a full life of praise. Somebody magnify him. I choose to live. Come on, that's it, Sister Lupe. After it all, I will live. I want you to know. 